0: Walk with the King podcast is excited to share with you a new series we're calling Grow Your Gratitude, a hand-picked collection of 10 broadcasts celebrating this season of giving thanks. We're grateful for radio friends like you. If you'd like to help support this podcast, please visit walkwiththeking.org slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? Doing all right? It's your friend Bob Cook, and I'm glad to be back with you. My heart goes out to some of you whom I know are going through trials just now, and I'm rejoicing with others of you who have written to me that God is doing great things for you. What I don't always realize, and you may join me in this concept, I think, what we don't always realize is that when we're going through the ringer and it's tough, God is probably doing more for us than when we're happy and everything's coming up roses. The great lessons of life are learned under the pressures that God allows to come to us. So uh, I have to to learn, and maybe you can learn with me, to thank God for the pressures and the problems so that He can demonstrate His power to answer prayer and to solve the problems and lift the burdens. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest by us the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. God wants you to be his perfume, and you get perfume by applying pressure. Something always to remember, isn't it? We're winding up our study in First Thessalonians, just sort of hitting the high spots once again. We've come to chapter 5, and I got down to about verse 11, I guess, the last time we were together by way of radio. There are some particulars that will help you to be ready for the second coming. What are they? He says, comfort yourselves and edify. And then take care of those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them very highly in love for their work's sake. Now, why bring all this up in the light of the second coming? Because if you want truly to be ready for your Lord's coming, there needs to be a lifestyle that is consistent with His will and His commands and His truth. Now, first of all, it's a personal application, which shows up in verse 11, he says, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. My relationship to the other saints around me, the Christians around me, is twofold. One, to be an encourager. The word comfort really could also say encourage. And second, to build them up. What I say and what I do must be planned and calculated to build up the other person in every possible way, emotionally, physically, spiritually, every way. That's part of my preparation in being ready for the Lord's coming, to be interested in encouraging my fellow Christians and in building them up in the Lord. Then he said, you, you have the right attitude toward people who are over you in the Lord. That would be pastors, I suppose. In our day and elders which labor among you and are over you in the Lord who admonish you, hold them very highly in love for their work's sake. It's not because you like the person or don't like him or her, but because God has placed that individual in a place of responsibility. And so you and I need to be good followers as well as if if the Lord has put us in a position of responsibility, good leaders. Now, uh, what else about this matter of of, of of a lifestyle that is consistent with my blessed hope that Christ is coming again? Well, he, he says he gives us a, a number of very short admonitions, and I'll skip over to verse 16. Rejoice evermore, you can have joy. In the midst of trials, because joy is not happiness, joy is that vast and ineffable sense of well-being that comes when you're aware of God's presence and you're right with Him and in His will. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, that is, pray your way through the day. You can whisper a prayer without uttering a verbal word of any, audible word of any kind. You can be in a prayerful spirit, a prayerful attitude. You can whisper a prayer before you tackle any particular job or uh, uh, situation, pray without ceasing. Pray. I used to say, pray your way through the day when I counseled uh, students there at the college. Pray your way through the day. Then he said, in everything give thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The will of God in Christ Jesus is that you give thanks in everything. And in chapter 4, the will of God in Christ Jesus is that you live a holy life. Uh, These are two things that Paul says are God's will. In everything, give thanks. The quarrel that God has against the heathen is not that they are heathen, but that they're not thankful. It says in, in Romans 1, when they knew God, they glorified him, not God, neither were thankful. When they knew God, they glorified him, not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and so on. The quarrel of God with the heathen is not that they are heathen, but that knowing that there is a living God, they weren't thankful. Interesting, isn't it? Now here you have it. This is the will of God concerning you. Give thanks. I'm really very grateful for my upbringing, both my father and my sister, who... Uh, joined in bringing up this little uh, strubly haired motherless boy uh, in those early years, uh, emphasized the importance of saying thank you. Please and thank you were part of the things that were almost, I would say, literally pounded (laughs) into uh, my uh, young heart and mind. Appreciation, be thankful. Appreciate things, notice things. Somebody gives you something or does something for you, be thankful. And so in the years that, that uh, followed, I've been counseling young people uh, in, uh, in my work as pastor and then in Youth for Christ for a great many years and then in the college work for 23 years. I've always reminded them, write a thank you note and say thank you and be grateful. Uh, <laughs> ungratitude. Uh, I guess it's ingratitude, isn't it? I better use the right uh, prefix there. Ingratitude shows up so uh, clearly. Uh, a friend of mine who gives very generously to Christian work was remarking uh, the other day as I sat beside him at a family picnic, he was remarking on the fact that that uh, a lot of people just expect him to, to give and, the, and never say thank you. And he mentioned one or two whose names really surprised me because they're quite well known in Christian work. Never a thank you, just uh, they expect it. Well, uh, he got a little put out with one of them because of that very fact, he said, that he'd, he'd given generously, but there never was a thank you. And uh, so uh, he just stopped. Now there came a letter. ha <laughs> ha! This is really funny. There came a letter addressed to him by name, personal letter, and said, Dear so-and-so, said, I want to thank you for what you used to do for me. (laughs) Signed, (laughs) Your Friend in Christ. Well, you know, gratitude. In everything, give thanks. Thankfulness for the things people do, but go a little farther, of course, and it's thankfulness to God for what he's doing. And the key to that is the word everything, everything. Mrs. Mulrane, uh, uh gave her entire life for many years to the rearing of her little daughter, Mary Ann. Mary Ann never achieved a height of more than about three feet, six inches, something like that. Her body stopped growing at a given point, but she had a brilliant mind and went on, after graduating from the college, went on and got her doctorate and taught English literature for some time before she passed away. But there are many memories there, I'm sure, in that mother's heart. And now and again, she shares one of them with me. She said that on one occasion, uh, they were in an area, uh, someplace in in, uh, the eastern states here, New England or wherever it was, where there was a hurricane and the wind was blowing and things were breaking and uh, trees were being toppled and all of that. They were in a comparatively safe place, but they were in the middle of the storm. And so they had some prayer. And now here's this uh, this, this mind that's so brilliant and a heart that's so warm toward God, praying and uh, thanking God for so many different things. And finally, ending the prayer, Marianne said, And thank you, Lord, for the hurricane." Well, I think sometimes we neglect to thank our God for the storms of life. It's so human. I know I've done it. It's so human to complain, say, God, why are you doing this to me? Uh, why, Why this now? And, of course, the unspoken part of that question is when I'm such a nice guy. We think we don't really deserve. Well, just remind yourself that if you and I got what we deserve, we wouldn't be here. We'd be an eternity lost without God without hope. Don't ask God for what you deserve, because His grace is giving you what you don't deserve. Grace is an acronym that can be rendered God's riches at Christ's expense. You can have God's rich blessing because Jesus bought it for you at Calvary when He shed His precious blood on the cross. In everything give thanks. Yes, thanks for the hurricane. Thanks for the hurricane. You know, uh, I suppose that takes some doing. But it's not a matter of temperament, nor indeed a matter of your circumstances. It's a matter of will. Read the Psalms and find how often the psalmist says, I will praise thee. I will give thanks to thee. I will love thee. See, it's a matter of will. You can will to love God, you can will to praise Him, you can will to thank Him, or you can will to neglect Him. And that choice, beloved, is strictly up to you and to me. Give thanks. Why? Because that's God's will in Christ concerning you. The the miracle of the Christian life is tied somehow to my willingness to thank God for what He's doing in my life, whether or not I like it to believe by faith that God is doing His perfect will in my life and to thank Him for it, that is tied to the whole miracle of Christian living. Do you follow that now? It's a very important point, isn't it? Stop momentarily on verse 19. How to get ready for the second coming now we're talking about. Thankfulness, yes. What else? Quench not the Spirit. Don't throw cold water on the flame of the Spirit of God in your life. See, unsaved people resist and blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Saved people can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. Read Ephesians chapter 4 for things that grieve the Spirit. Stealing and lying and anger and bitterness and clamor and so on and unforgiveness. You can grieve the blessed Spirit of God who dwells within the believer. But he says don't quench the Spirit. Now, quench is something that, that a verb that is used in terms of putting out a fire. Don't throw cold water on the fire of the Holy Spirit of God and turn away from his guiding and his leadings and his promptings. Instead, become sensitive. If you want to be ready for the second coming, become sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God in your life, so that should our Lord Jesus appear at any moment, you will be found obeying what the Spirit of God has whispered to your heart. Dear Father, today help us to be ready always for the Lord Jesus to come back again. I pray in his name. Amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.